Hello, folks, and welcome to the latest edition of our Soccer Capital of America podcast and live content series on Twitter Spaces today as we react to a nil-nil draw between the United States and England in round two of the group stages at the 2022 World Cup. This is Nate Bucati. I am joined by Chad Reynolds and Connell McCourt live from the greatest watch parties in the entire country, if not the entire world. I don't know. I'm, sur- I'm assuming in Brazil and places like that, they're having parties that are similarly epic. But there's no chance that anyone in the United States is partying like we do in Kansas City for these U.S. men's national team games. Monday was incredible. Today was at, uh, to borrow a phrase that, uh, that, that drives every uh, grammatic uh, person crazy, a whole nother level uh, here in the Power and Light District. They opened up the doors at 1030. There was a line outside to get in. Uh, we hit capacity pretty early, and uh, the place was absolutely jumping uh, from 1030 this morning all the way until now. And we're going to break down the match for you now. So... Uh, we'll get started on this, guys, and there's a lot to unpack, even in a nil-nil draw. Uh, and, uh, the United States had their ch- – I almost want to say Kansas City every time. I'm so used to doing uh, sporting Kansas City stuff. The United States men's national team had their chances in this game. England had some decent chances as well. Uh, we'll get to the statistics. We'll get to some post-match reaction from the players and coaches and all that. I just want to get initial thoughts, though. Chad Reynolds, we said coming into this, we said this on the post-game Twitter spaces after the Wales match, now you got to get a draw against England. I'm not sure that was the case after the way everything played out today, but they get a draw. What did you make of it? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that that I've made from today is that lineup came out, and Greg Berhalter, super pragmatic 4-4-2 formation, Weston McKinney at right mid, and what a, like, Berhalter is maligned for his tactical approach a lot of the time. I honestly think kind of a masterstroke. Two strikers, you challenged, you could press out of it, you could not press, you could sit, and I think tactically, Greg Berhalter out-tacticked, if that's a word, I'm going to make up another word as we're talking to the grammarians here, out-tacticked Gareth Southgate today. I thought, I, especially in the first half, right, Connell? And I think that, um, you know, had you asked me a week and a half ago, hey, the U.S. gets gets two draws and has to beat Iran to get to th- get through to the, the group stage, I feel pretty good about that. You know what I mean? I feel pretty good going into that. And so, all in all, like, we're all sitting here. I was just talking to a friend who's an England fan. She's born and raised there. Um, you guys all know her. Shout out Nikki Romolo. Like, we're going to – she's an England fan, right? She, she's so mad that they didn't score today. I'm so mad the U.S. didn't score today. Guess what, guys? A draw is a fair result when I look at it that way. And all I'm saying now is I think we were actually the better team on the day, most of the day. I think the U.S. had the better of the chances. Guess ultimately I like our chances going into Tuesday against Iran. Doesn't mean it's going to work out. I'll take our chances going into Tuesday against Iran. Connell McCourt, your thoughts? Um, I think it was a... A lot of improvements from the Wales game, um, especially the way they started the second half. I think that was the the big kind of blemish taken away from the first game of the of the tournament. The second half, they came out and they didn't really get started, and they let Wales come on to them. This first 15, 20 minutes of the second half, the US were still in the ascendancy. It wasn't until Grealish and Henderson came off the bench that they kind of England started to get a bit more of a foothold. Anytime 
England had the ball and they were passing about the back. The US were happy to let them have it, just keep it back there, let them. They weren't really struggling. But a part of me just feels like England were there for the taking today. It just it, the US were apart from about twenty minutes of the game, twenty five minutes of the game. The US were the better team. They created the better chances. They were getting shots off. Maybe. Maybe they didn't test Pickford enough. I don't, can't really remember too many saves he had to make, but you think of the one that came off the bar and, and the amount of corners they had, and it just didn't really fall for them. It was probably just a, a lack of being a, a, I mean, a bit more clinical than and you're, you're elected there. But coming away from it, a draw, as you said, it was always going to go down to the Iran game anyway. You have to beat Iran anyway. You were, we knew that coming in. Getting a draw against England, it's not bad. It's not a bad result in the grand scheme of things, especially before the game. I think a lot of people would have taken it a hand on heart, but just coming away to see how the US played, how they forced the issue, how they pressed, and just kind of a bit gutted that they didn't take all three points, honestly. So there's two ways to unpack this as I look at it, and there is the processing of the result, and there's a the processing of the performance, right? And those are two things that we'll unpack here over the next 30 minutes on this Twitter spaces. And then there's also the process of what the result means going forward. Here's the phrase that has been thrown out ever since this morning. So I woke up for full reference with about in about the 80th minute or so of Wales versus Iran because I was getting ready to come down here and do my morning show for Sports Radio 810. And first thing, I mean, I shot up and I thought, gosh, I wonder what the score is. Maybe Iran has given them a game. Maybe it's still level. And it was nil-nil. And so I turned it on immediately as I was getting ready. Oh, my gosh, they're on a red card. You know, they're up They're up a man. Wales goalkeeper had been sent off. Then I see him score the two goals in stoppage time. And immediately you look on social media and the phrase, now states just have to be run to move. That phrase is going to make me pull my hair out, right. my, my old gray hair out by the time Tuesday rolls around. And I understand what everybody is saying when they say that. The United States, I don't know where they are in the world rankings, the United States versus Iran, but Iran was the fourth team in this group and the United States were second, third. Everybody thought it was between the USA and Wales. Tina showed it. Uh, you know, um, Germany, Germany. Germany showed it. Wales, maybe you can say showed it. And we've seen it in every sports uh, every sport that there is known to man, if you do not give your opponent the proper amount of respect, you are doomed to suffer the consequences. And I know that the fans are the ones saying all we have to do is beat Iran. I don't think anybody in the United States men's national team campus, God, I hope they're not. But sometimes that attitude can right. seep into the mindset of players and teams. We've just seen it too many times. And that better not be the case because Iran showed today that they are not going quietly into the night. I wondered if maybe they were just so racked by political unrest in their homeland and everything that they weren't focused on this. They proved today that's not the case. We know the history between these two countries, Iran and the United States. They will be flying. And all they need to do is bunker in and get a result against the United States. What has been the problem with the United States? It's been not the soccer, it's been the scoring. They're playing good soccer. So that brings me now long-winded to my, my breakdown of today's game, what I saw. The United States men's national team have a good young group of soccer players. They played the game 
with England today, that loaded roster of England. They didn't do the thing that a, that an underdog does. I know England had more of the ball, but it wasn't some park the bus mentality and we're just going to lump the ball up the field and see if we can catch something on the counter. They played the game. They played through the midfield. Those midfielders were every bit as good as we thought they should be and would be. Matt Turner played out of the back two or three times when everybody <laughs> worried that what in the world is he doing? Um, okay. Looks like we're back. Sorry about that, folks. I got so excited about all this, I unplugged our microphone for a second. Um, they played the game. The United States played soccer with England in a way that I think should make us all proud. Matt Turner was playing out of the back in moments where we were absolutely yelling, just get rid of it. And he, he calmly dealt with it and, in fact, led to a couple half chances because of his ability to play out of the back. I thought they outplayed England in this game. But the result does still matter. And I know, Connell, from talking to you right after this, the result left something to be desired because that final product just quite isn't there yet for this U.S. men's national team. And until they get that part right, it limits what this team's capable of. And I think that's the reason some of us feel a little bit unsatisfied. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so positive about the process and the performance today. We should. I heard Stu Holden. You couldn't hear much here in the Power and Light District, but I heard him late in the game say, if you're an American and you're watching this team for the first time, you should be really proud of what you're seeing from these guys because they're going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the English. And they did. Um, and so I guess I want to start with the positive there because that shows how far this sport has come in this country, that all those young Americans went out there, and they that didn't look like some mismatch, that, oh, my gosh, these Americans can't hang with the English. They did. But they got to find a way to put something in the back of the net if they're going to go through the group stage. Yeah, your biggest worry is you're going to end this Iran game and honestly, if you ask me hand on heart who I would want starting at the number nine, I don't know. I don't. Like, I don't know who you would put up there. But Haji Raid, I know what he is. I know, what, like, the type of... He's a body. He's unorthodox. He's hard to control. He's hard to get a handle, or a handle of. But do you play him up there? Do you think that guarantees goals? Do you try and rely on Pulisic and Weah for the goals? That's the biggest issue, I think, for the U.S. Obviously... Obviously, look, they've scored one goal in two games. It was there for the taking again today, but I agree with you. For the large majority of that game, the U.S. put it up to the English. They were saying, come and get I mean, the players, I, we'd done a breakdown before the game. I said, I don't expect Jedi Robinson to be getting forward as much just because of the danger that Bukayo Saka carries. Saka didn't get a sniff. Whole game didn't get a sniff. Sterling, very, very limited. Kane had a ha couple of half chances. Nothing really, nothing really, apart from the header at the end where I think everyone's heart was in their mouth. But apart from that, the U.S. stood up to them and gave as good as they got for the most part. It's going into this Iran game. I agree. Look, it's not going to be an easy game. Iran are going to try and sit back. They're going to try and be methodical because we need the three points and they don't. That's just a, a, as plain as day. But if I had to ask you, honestly, going into this game... Who is your number nine? Who would you be starting? The two best players on the field for the United States through two matches, especially today. Timo Weah was great again today. And Christian Pulisic showed up today. That was the good Christian Pulisic today, right? And, okay, sorry. That does a serious disservice to Tyler Adams, who has been just phenomenal for, for, for the last 180 minutes of soccer, right? But Tyler Adams, you're not relying on to win the game and to score goals. You're relying on Tyler Adams to shut down everything through the middle of the field like we saw from, from England today. Nothing came through the middle of the field, right? Tyler Adams was 
everywhere. He touched every blade of grass. To to paraphrase my favorite soccer quote of all time from legendary Kansas City Wizards, United States national team coach Bob Gansler. One time I asked Bob Gansler about a player on the opposing team, and he said to me, I was like, what do you do to cover that player? And he said, well, there's nothing you can do. If you stuck a paintbrush up that guy's ass, he'd paint the field red now, wouldn't he? <laughs> and it's the best line I've ever heard about a guy who covers ground on the field. That has been Tyler Adams for the last 180 minutes. Tyler Adams has been amazing. But outside of that, good Christian Pulisic showed up today. Timo Weah was fantastic again today. I figure out a way to get my best attacking players on the field. Connell, you say who starts at the nine? Timo freaking Weah. I don't care if it's a true nine. If you play a 4-4-2 or whatever you got to do to throw numbers forward against Iran, knowing they're going to sit, and you you just need to win that game to get through, Timo Weah, as high up the field as humanly possible. Christian Pulisic, as high up the field as humanly possible. If those are two strikers with Aarons and Reyna, others behind them, McKinney behind them, play a 4-4-2. I do not care at this point. Go get a goal. Put your best players on the field. We didn't see Gio Reyna get any touches. We didn't see Brendan Aronson get enough touches. For me, it's it's how do you put your most dangerous players? It's pretty clear right now who those two guys are as high up the field as humanly possible. Can I still ask for Ricardo Pepe? <laughs> <laughs> you can ask, but he ain't, I, ain't walking through that door. I, I, uh, I mean, this is, that's a callback to when we talked um, here on Monday. If you got to go for a bunch of goals, who would you want? And I And I... I'm a Ricardo Pepe fan. I, I, and, the, and the thing that, what's my opinion on Haji Wright? I still don't have one. I just don't, I don't have an opinion on him. I don't watch the Turkish League. I don't get to see any of those games. Man, he looks great out there. Big, strong. I'm trying to remember anything he did in the game today that stood out to me. And that's not all his fault. I don't remember a number nine doing much so far for the U.S. in any of these games or getting much service. I remember Sargent having that one header off the bar in game number one from a tough angle. I thought he did well on that. But I'm just looking for, is, is there going to be a number nine that just pop? I mean, so like one of the things I've, I've heard, of, like every time Ricardo Pepe scores a goal, Right now that they, sh you know, you get to see on social media, people say, well, it's another tap in. It's another easy goal. And he's doing it in, in uh, the Eredivisie. You, we've all been watching soccer our whole lives. How many tap in goals did, let's just take the Kansas City example. How many goals did Willie Agata score this year that nobody else was scoring all year and wasn't even getting on the end of? He just knows where to be and how to get there. And I don't know if maybe Haji Wright really does do that, and we just haven't seen it yet, but we haven't seen it yet. And so, I mean, part of me wants to see somebody like Jesus Ferrer up there because I've seen him do it some. I don't know. The, the, the greatest quote of all time in the history of the sport of soccer from the greatest, the most quotable person in the history of the sport of soccer, maybe in all of sports, the late, great Bill Shankly. If you find yourself in the box and you don't know what to do with the ball, put it in the back of the net, and we'll discuss your options later. That's what the U.S. is missing right now. That I mean, like, who's going to score the goal? The guy who says, "I'm going to put that ball on the net, and I'm going to worry about everything else later." I, I 100% agree with that. Like, that's and maybe, yeah, Ricardo Pepe, banging in goals. I don't care how pretty they are. Is the ball in the back of the net? That guy's not walking through the door. He's not on the plane. He's not on the train. He's not on the bus. He's not on the boat. 
that it took to get to Qatar. So who is going to do that? And that's the one thing that scares me. But then again, the flip side is this defense has been good. The midfield's been good. And it's just like, damn it. If that's the, if that's the piece we're missing, it's a pretty, pretty important piece to be missing, but we're playing good soccer. How do we get through the next round? And if we figure that out, I feel pretty good about our chances. Well, I think that's absolutely true. And that's one of the things that does worry me about this Iran game is this is, let's be honest, Tuesday is going to be the last game that the United States face a low block at this World Cup, whether it's because they get bounced out or because once they get on to the knockout rounds, they're almost it's, uh, assuredly going to be playing teams that want to play. And I think what we saw today, and now I'm all parroting what we got from Peter Vermees when he came on with us on the podcast. He said he thought the United States would match up well with England because England will want to play. And the United States actually are at their best when their opponent wants to play. So if you can get through this, I think we'll see in the knockout rounds some of the best the best soccer we've ever seen from the Americans. Um, that's, that's the if, though, right, is getting past, past this Iran game. Let's get back to this game against England, though. In the first half of the game, the United States, as you mentioned, we were texting Connell. We were in different sides of the power and light here. You wanted to see them score a goal in the last 15 minutes of the first half because they had England under the cosh. They were the team driving the game. They were creating the best chances. And that ball that fell to Weston McKinney, that cross in from Timo Weah, that McKinney put blasted up over the bar. Look, those bouncing balls are tough. And if you don't catch them perfectly, they're going to fly up into the air. If there was one guy on the field that I wanted that ball to fall to, it was Weston McKinney, and it didn't work out. Yeah, it didn't. It was a tough one for him, honestly. That was a really impressive move, I thought, by the U.S. Everyone was – it was to the point that was when the U.S. kind of started to grow into the game a bit more. They were taking their time going forward. Everyone was expecting to just lump it in, and they were patient on the right, and that's what ended up opening up the big gap for McKinney in the middle. The ball, as you say, the ball just skips up to him, and it's hard. It's hard to try and get your – foot over it and try and uh, direct it towards the goal. It, it just ended up going over. And you're right, like a, thinking of all the rest of the players on the pitch, if you want it to fall to someone, Mr. Big Occasion, like you want it to fall to Weston McKinney. I'm just wondering how they're going to, I know you want to stay on the, the game that just happened, but going to the Iran game, do they keep the same three in midfield or do you think they try and go a bit more attacking? Do they try and, do they take out Musa or, I mean, I don't think Ian take out McKinney. But do you take out Musa or McKinney and try and play the likes of an Aronson or the likes of a Reina in there? I I think Yunus Musa was better today than he was on Monday. Um, and, and there are times where you see what Yunus Musa brings to this team. The ability to carry the ball through traffic, the ability to spring, spring guys. He had that shot from distance. Actually, Nate, you, me, and Matt Beasler were standing there watching that shot. And like the groans from the three of us as that ball deflected. And it was just like, how did that not just... Like, how do we not get the really weird squeaky ball that slides under the goalkeeper in that moment? But, like, Yunus Musa brings those things, and he's a really good player. But I look at it right now, and I say, are you not better off if it's Brendan Aronson in the midfield for that match? Knowing that they're going to sit the way that you – Iran's going to sit the way that they are, and you don't necessarily need to hold possession as much in the midfield as much as you need to move the ball, right? And as much as you need to break things down – Moose is great at holding possession and driving forward through through breaking lines with his dribbling, right? You're not going to be able to break lines with dribbling. You're not going to be able to break lines the way that Yunus Musa impacts a game on Tuesday. 
Iran just needs a draw to get through. So they're going to sit and they're going to sit and they're going to sit some more. And that bus, that bus, that it's not even going to have the key in the ignition. It's going to be parked as much as you can park a bus. And in that case, to me, you don't need Eunice Musa on the field. You need Brennan Aronson and you let Tyler Adams do what he's done, which is cover every blade of grass, cover every inch of that field as the six. And you let two working midfielders, in this case, Aronson and McKinney, work in front. This actually brings up an interesting point when it comes to this England game, and that is the starting lineup. I sat here and, and spoke with Matt Beasler for an hour this morning on the, on the Border Patrol, and we discussed what we thought the starting 11 would look like, and Matt said, well, there's going to be changes. You know, I expect Greg Berhalter to make changes, and we, thought, we talked about what those changes might be. Serginho Dest maybe because he looked a little hobbled and, and had, was on a yellow card. Maybe Weston McKinney for Aronson we talked about in this game. The lineup. Great today. Then, well, look, to, to, and now to, to a quick departure, uh, if you couldn't hear, Chad, he said McKinney was great today. When you said the two best players on the field, I think it was all clear. I was thinking to myself, is it? Because I thought Tim Ream was fantastic. Yeah, I thought that Matt Turner was terrific. I thought Weston McKinney was wonderful. I thought Musa was phenomenal in possession in the middle of the field and in track. I thought McKinney, Musa both tracked back in key situations to break up cutback balls against the English when they got up the flanks. Tyler Adams was all over the place like he is. Weah was good. Polisic was good. I, I thought that the majority of players turned in really good performances today, so I think it's hard to say who the two best players were because they all were so good. But when it comes to the lineup, we all thought maybe we'll see a little rotation. Try to keep some legs fresh. Um, get some guys. Make sure you get them to that game against Iran on you know without getting suspended. And then the lineup comes out, and the only change is Haji Wright up top for Josh Sargent. I want to I unpack that for a second. What does that tell us? And I started thinking about it right away. I think Greg Berhalter is sending a message to his team that he believes in those guys, even after all the criticism that they took after the game against Wales. I think he is trying to build some chemistry, chemistry through the squad as this goes on. He said, and, and, and Bees pointed this out to me this morning, he said, I think the short turnaround between games is going to be a benefit to the United States because we have the third youngest roster out here. We have fresh legs. I thought England looked tired several times during this game. I thought their legs – now, Now here's the thing, by the way. I don't think Iran's going to look tired even a little bit. They're from the Persian Gulf. This is a home game for them on Tuesday. They are going to be flying. But I think – I expect to see a similar lineup. I think if, if he did it two games in a row, why is he going to change everything up this time around? I think he's trying to build chemistry with the team. I think we saw some of that chemistry grow a little bit today. So I'm not going to sit here and expect a whole bunch of changes to the 11 because I thought that was going to happen today, and it didn't happen. It's just the legs, though, is the only thing. When it comes to – I mean, when's this next game? How many days away? Days. So four, four days away yeah, from today? And it's a night three days rest. Three days. So you get an extra whole half a day. So can players play? I mean, Tim Ream is 35. I wouldn't like to see Tim Ream come out because I agree with you. I thought he was fantastic today. I thought at the start of the game, it looked like, and I think Stu Holden said it on the broadcast, it looked like that was something designed. The ball was coming to Zimmerman. He was fizzing the ball into whoever, whoever had their back to goal, whoever the furthest midfielder or the forward was. And I can't... I, 
every time I think he done it twice and he misplaced the pass twice. Every time Tim Ream touched the ball, his pass was crisp and accurate. And I'm thinking, why is it not the other guy that's supposed to be that is tasked with that fizzing the ball into the into the forwards? But I don't know. I just I think they might make changes. I think they're going to go a little today's. Today's midfield three, you know what you're going to get from them. Workhorses, they do not do do not stop. England were not going to get a chance today to try and overrun the midfield. Adams, as you said, everywhere. But I just worry that it's not creative enough to try and... Because, look, if you thought Wales set back, Iran are... They are pitching their tent and they're not leaving, and that's just the way it is. We're going to have to have someone with that extra bit who can unlock... Unlock defenses, feign key passes, cut open defenses. And for me, the only person, well, you have Reina there as well, but you have to think Aronson is in, is is the only one that can really do that. McKinney, super up and down. Musa, phenomenal for what he gives you. But I just don't think it's that creative outlet that they're going to need against Iran. You're going to need, you're going to need to try and pick the locks against Iran because look, nil nil does Iran. They can sit back and they can go through. So we need to be in the ascendancy, and I think you need to have your most creative players on the pitch to do it. What's funny is let's not let's not pretend Iran is unimpeachable at the back. Like that's what's it's hilarious, right? Conceded six goals against England. They are still a negative four goal differential in this tournament. Now look, they got to win. They got to win. That's all that matters. They have three points. We're on two points. They're they have the luxury of being able to sit for a draw. Sorry. We have two points. They have three, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they have the luxury of being able to sit for a draw. But they tried to sit for a draw against England, and they got picked apart. I, today, uh, standalone today, England found six goals in that match from six different goals. No, no. Five different goal scores. I, there's a blueprint to beat Iran also, right? And so what's funny is there's not really a blueprint to beat the United States right now. Because nobody's beaten them. Yeah, I mean, the defense has been solid. One just ridiculous walkers in room mistake aside, the U.S. defense has been good. Matt Turner had three saves today, but was he really challenged at all? You know, I, 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 I look at it and I go, this U.S. team can take the counter away from Iran the same way they did against Wales. Can they break them down? Can they find the goals? They don't have a Harry Kane. They don't have a nine. But I, I, I just, I look at Monday, Tuesday, excuse me, and I go, this game's there for the taking. That game could very, very easily be a three or four nil win or some, or a three or four two win. You know, Iran comes out of their shell because they have to. And that's, the, to me, the big goal. The first goal's key. The big bummer today is that a win today means Iran can't play in their shell at all. And that, to me, is like the United States just went toe-to-toe with Arguably one of the best teams on the planet. A team that just played in the... They made the Euro Finals, right? So they're coming off a, a semifinal in the last World Cup, a finals in the last Euros, and you played toe-to-toe and arguably were the better squad on the day. But you didn't find the back of the net. And it's like, you should take every bit of confidence from that and figure out how you're going to break down Iran and score that goal. Because if you can do that you're kind of coasting through to the next stage. It, it makes it sound easier than it is. But if you beat Iran, you're through. And it's that, like, again, a week and a half ago, you had told me, that's all you got to do. I feel differently. I feel pretty good about it. That young U.S. team, the third youngest team in the tournament, as Matt Beasler said, 
went out and took it to England today. And all over England, I'm reading the internet right now, I'm reading Twitter. All over England, people are pissed. People are upset. They think England failed today. They think England unperformed, underperformed today. I have friends who put money on the U.S. plus two today. Not, not a money line. The line was the U.S. plus two. The U.S. just made a bunch of people a bunch of money around the world because they were expected to lose to England, and they went out and they bossed this match. They don't have three points to show for it. That's the disappointing part. But I'm actually, in a way, excited by the performance today and what that means going into Tuesday. Okay, so to run down scenarios, if you don't fully understand them, the United States must win on Tuesday to go through. They advance with a win. It doesn't matter how many goals they win by. They've got to win. That's the simplest part. England advance with anything less than a four-goal loss. They pretty much in. They're basically in unless they just attack whale. Iran advanced Wales not beating England and then Wales has to beat England by four or more um, or a U.S. Uh, Iran draw. So um, Wales have a really, really long shot. Um, the United States got to win. You know, that's what it comes down to in this game against Iran, and the question is going to be all along, how does the United States get that first goal? Because that first goal, right, if they can score fairly early in the match, then all of a sudden it changes everything, you know, and Iran actually has to come out and play. And, uh, and then the United States hopefully handle it better than they did against Wales. But if they don't score right away, it's going to be one of those games where the pressure just continues to mount and continues to mount. One of the things that I liked the best about the United States today, when they did get into the attack, we talked about some of the sequences that led to some chances. They didn't just hopefully lump crosses into the penalty area when they got up the field this time around. There were several different times where they remained patient and they got the ball up the flanks on the outside of the penalty area. And it wasn't just the first guy, you know, firing across him. They knocked the ball around. Sometimes they brought it back out and reversed it to the other side. We've seen that a million times when Sporting Kansas City play at home and teams bunker in. This wasn't England bunkered in, but England was very cautious, I thought, today compared to what they could have been. So it was hard to get them unorganized. You didn't really see the U.S. have many chances to really hit them on the counter today. And I give credit to England for that. There are a few times the United States tried to break out on the counter, and their fullbacks and center back, really their center backs more than anything, had most of those, those plays covered. They were they were they were patient, and the United States are going to have to strike a, a a difficult balance, Connell, between being aggressive and and creating danger, but not being impatient. They're going to have to be a little patient, I think, to find the really good opportunities in this game. Yeah, at the start of this game, I saw maybe the first five ten minutes. Jedi Robinson got the ball on the left a few times and he didn't try and take it to the lane and try and get the ball in. And I, it was kind of annoying me a bit that they weren't being a bit more adventurous. But obviously the start of the game, like they're just feeling each other out and stuff. The longer that went on, I felt that it was better for the U.S. It looked like England were the ones that were looking a bit less confident and the U.S. were just growing and growing in confidence. And as you said, the key was it was getting that goal before halftime while the momentum was going while the the backs were up and i don't care what you say i agree with you chad the bear halter playing the 442 
it kind of outfoxed Southgate. They didn't really know how to deal with it. Saka didn't know whether he was going forward or or, or having to stay back because McKinney was so far away, and they didn't really know. They were trying to play. They were playing Haji right and uh, Timo Weah, just a big small combination up front, with McKinney dropped further deeper into the right, and they didn't really know how to counteract it. That was, that's where the the opportunity was when it got to half time. Southgate knew what they were doing. They could kind of tweak it a bit, or a, a bit in the middle, and they didn't really have to. After the second half, I thought they were a bit more comfortable with it. The opportunity was in the first half when they were putting all that pressure on, when they hit the bar, when they they were throwing crosses in, and it just wasn't really coming off. It wouldn't fall for them. But I agree, someone's going to have to step up. They're going to have to take the bull by the horns and they're going to have to score early in this game because if not, the longer the game goes on, the longer it suits Iran. So today was today was fun for, for sickos like us who love soccer tactics, right? Like that was that. Was that. I mean, the, the 4-4-2 in the first half, all that. What, what Weston McKinney allowed it to do. Christian Pulisic playing not as the provider, the creator, but, but more as a get his head down, dribble at guys, winger, all those things. Like... Tactics are fun. Tuesday's going to take individual moments of brilliance. Tuesday's not about tactics anymore. Tuesday's about who can put the team on the back and put the ball in the back of the net. And and that's what I'm going to probably struggle to sleep around for the next three or four days. But I'm also really excited about it because, again, I think man for man, this U.S. team is better than, than Iran. And and we should take lessons from Iran's or England's dismantling of Iran's defense. Uh, look, Mehdi Taremi's a hell of a player. And he's dangerous, and you got to you got to be smart, and you can't give him chances. Other than that, you should take lessons from England beating Iran six two, and go. We can go out and get goals. We can go out and win this game, and we can get through the group. And then it's the knockout stages of the World Cup. Kind of, kind of, all bets are off. Who cares at that point? Frankly, by the way, if you get through, it's the Netherlands or Ecuador, probably maybe Senegal at this point, and none of those teams look unbeatable. So now, so get through, figure it out. Individual moments of brilliance, whether it's Team Wea, Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney, I don't care. Somebody put the ball in the back of that. Jesus Ferreira, somebody put the ball in the back of the net. Let's get the ball in the net. Let's keep it out of ours, and let's go through, because that's all it takes now against Iran in Game 3. You know, it's moments of individual brilliance could be what leads to it. It could be also a moment of collective brilliance. You know, this team has shown the ability to knock the ball around in tight spaces and do some pretty impressive things. But most of the times we've seen that so far have come in the middle of the field. Can they do it in the final third? You know, and, and that might be the type of goal we see. I wouldn't be surprised to see the United States pass the ball all the way into the net in this game if they can all play confidently and patiently the way that they need to in this game. But for me, the final thought here, and and we'll sign off. We appreciate everybody following all of our content here. We'll have more coming your way this coming week at Soccer Capital KC. Um, on the game itself, Jacob Peterson taught me the phrase that he learned from one of his coaches uh, when he played for the Colorado Rapids. Before we can outplay them, we have to outwork them. And I, and, I, and I started with my biggest fear of this whole concept is a week's worth of all they have to do is beat Iran. If they go into this game thinking all we have to do is beat Iran, they are going to be in serious trouble because Iran will work their butts off in this game. They will fight. They will scratch. They will claw. And the odds are the United States is not going to get the benefit of a bunch of yellow cards or anything like that. We saw it again today. They got kicked all over the field. 
and no cards. he had no cards. And I will say this, Connell, I was griping like crazy about it during the game, and then I realized at the end of the game, Adams and McKinney still just are on a yellow. They're going to play against Iran. And I'm a little bit grateful that the that the the referee in this game probably had that on his mind a little bit. I don't want to. I don't want anybody suspended if I don't have to for this second game. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt there anyway. Um, they're going to get kicked from pillar to post, as you as you've uh, taught me that phrase, Connell. They're, it's going to be a physical game. It's going to be a tough game. And if the United States think all they have to do is beat Iran, they're going to be in trouble. They've got to come out and they've got to have that work and they've got to fear the danger that Iran can present on the counter because those counter opportunities are going to happen a few times in this game uh, because if they are playing on the front foot and they have to go to, for goal, they're going to have to take some chances around the final third that could le lead to losing the ball sometimes. So they have got to be ready to fight in this game. The quality is there. This team is good enough to go beat Iran. They should go beat Iran. But we can't think that this is an easy task that has been put in front of this team, and they can't think it either. So that leads us to the final point, Tuesday at 1 o'clock. Folks, I just want to say once again, to be born and raised in this town, Kansas City, to, to have lived downtown uh, before the Power and Light District and uh, T-Mobile Arena, and KC Live block and the revitalization took place to see this city on a global map now, you know, displayed for everyone to, to show what we're all about is something that I just am never going to get tired of. It's, it's never going to stop being the coolest thing to me. Because we know we're Kansas City. We know we're flyover country. We know that everybody else thinks that they don't really think of us, you know, very often. And then we come together and we do things like this and we show the entire world, wait a second, there are fans of soccer like this in the United States? And what town is that? And this all sets the, t the tone for what's going to happen here in four years from now. And it's awe-inspiring to see just – just Every once in a while during the match, I'm sitting on stage because I got to be there ready to go wave my flag around like an idiot and do all the stuff I'm supposed to do if they score a goal. And every once in a while, I would just, when I start to get really nervous during the game, I would turn around and I would just look out into the crowd. And I would just make, like, just pick out some faces and see the intensity on the faces of all 10,000 people here that are watching and watching every roll of the ball. And, and, and completely invested in what's happening with this U.S. men's national team. And it just fills me with this joy. And whatever happens, we get at least one more chance to do this. And that's going to be on Tuesday. And it's a work day. You know, it's 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I Something tells me we're going to have a pretty good crowd down here on Tuesday again. And, man, I hope the United States does it because then it gets even bigger when it gets to the knockout rounds. And, and the thing is we were having this conversation with some of the folks from Sporting Kansas City. Conversation now is our passion as the soccer cap. And we're, we're calling this the soccer capital. And not, people have pushed back on that. Our town has more blah, 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 whatever. Well, your town's not doing this. And uh, the conversation has now gotten to – the people that want to come to these events have it's outgrown 
the Casey Live Block. That doesn't mean we need to find another place, but we need to find a way to accommodate more people because a lot of people got turned away today when they had to close the gates down. And uh, that just makes me so freaking happy. So for those of you that are listening, you're a big part of it. If you decided to get on Twitter spaces right now, you're a diehard fan. You know, you're not doing that if you're the, the casual. But what's really cool is more and more of the casuals are getting swept up in the emotion of what we're all pouring into it. And you people that are listening to this Twitter spaces, keep at it. Let everybody know how special this is. If you can't come down to the Power and Light District, find your local bar and make sure they have it on and make sure they know that they need to have every USA game on going forward and that soccer does matter and that they should have the games on when Sporting Kansas City play and get more people understanding what's happening in these games, how hard this game is going to be against Iran because the average non-fan out there is just going to think, United States is the giant, Iran's the, the minnow, we should kick their ass. Let them know all the reasons it's not that easy and the ways that they're going to have to try to win this game help educate people get them swept up in it let them realize how much fun this all is and we'll see you here on tuesday what do you have to say chad yeah i mean that's it that's it get your tickets sportingkc.com slash wc 2022 big watch party tuesday knock on all the wood if we get through that it's a saturday or a sunday for the knockout round which will be just like this it'll be bonkers down here by the way the weather tuesday looks like 63 for a high supposed to be beautiful down here on Tuesday. Get your tickets. Uh, keep listening to the Soccer Capital of America podcast. We'll be back with a preview of that USA-Iran match. A, a little less, um, a, a little more tactical, a little more into the, the, the weeds on what it's going to take to break down that Iran game. And uh, keep listening. And then, and then no matter what happens, we'll, we'll be listening. Uh, we'll be talking about this World Cup after that. I got a hunch we're going we're gonna to get at least one more USA podcast out of it. Connell McCourt, final thoughts? Um, yeah, similar. Uh, I mean, look, I'm a transplant into this city, but there's there's a reason that this city is one of the cities that got uh, to be a World Cup host site. There's a lot of cities in the Midwest that we're trying to vie for it, and we're the we're the ones who came out on top. And it's for today is reasons for that reasons uh, because they see how how much soccer is engrossed now in the community of of Kansas City. You can't really you can't really look at a uh, celebration in the U.S. or in this city without something from the KC Live block being shown, whether it was the Women's World Cup, whether it was this World Cup, whether it was people getting re- getting up to see uh, any U.S. men's national team. There's a reason that it's here, and hopefully we get another good crowd on Tuesday, and hopefully the boys have enough in them to get, to get past Iran. If you get past Iran, look, we get to do it all again, and... Fortune favors the brave. Whatever, if they go out and try to win it, then you, you reap what you sow. Hopefully, I'll try to get as much uh, of these cliches in as I can. But you play Iran. I know it's not that easy as it sounds, but you win the game. You're through to the knockout stages. We get to have more of these parties. So let's do it for Kansas City and for the U.S. And on that note, thanks to all of you for listening to this Twitter Spaces page. Make sure you keep following Soccer Capital KC for the latest content and we will see you Tuesday in the Power and Light District and of course tomorrow Mexico versus Argentina that's not going to be a bad one and there will be a big raucous party here as well so that's it for us and have a great rest of your Thanksgiving weekend everybody